I'm Michael Malley, and this is The Mindful Storyteller, where the subject always is stories. Storytelling, story reading, story listening, mindfulness, and the creation of the story space. Mindful Storyteller, and I am Michael R. Malley. And I'm Ollie Ren Erickson Malley. And here on the Mindful Storyteller, we talk about stories, storytelling, story listening, story reading, creating the story space. And today, uh, we're going to talk about words. Uh, we have a, a quote from Ruth Sawyer. Uh, she wrote a book back in 1942, The Way of the Storyteller, one of my favorites. And um, talk about words, word selection, vocabulary, and the value of words. Ollie will begin by reading us that quote from Ruth Sawyer. Then I'll share a reading reflection. Uh, Ollie and I will banter back and forth. We'll probably use some words as we do that. And, uh, and, and then we'll close with Ollie sharing um, some further thoughts and further questions. As per usual, we have the Tibetan singing bowl, the bell, an invitation to return to presence. And you might hear, I think I hear in the background the trains. We're right by the train track. So if you hear those train cars going by, that's just another invitation to presence. So enjoy the sound of the trains, enjoy the sound of the bell, enjoy the sound of the words. The painter works with his colors, mixes them, tries tries out effects, knows before he begins just what his box and palette can provide him with. He leaves nothing to chance. He feels for a divine relationship between what he wishes to say and the colors in which he wishes to say it. It would seem as if for those artists, known as storytellers, who are dependent on words alone for the expression of their art, words made audible. There would be both delight and intelligence in acquiring sufficient material to work with freely. Ruth Sawyer, The Way of the Story Storyteller, page 140. How often do we talk about vocabulary, the words we use and how we use them? We are perhaps fearful of arrogance. Why use a complex term when a simpler one will suffice? There is also the risk of exclusion. 
Jargon has often been used to separate the insiders from those on the periphery. Our words separate us by class or level of formal education. We risk the misperception that good grammar is a direct indicator of a bright person or a skillful mind. But can an expansive vocabulary also move us toward a subtlety of expression? moving us beyond the thick contentiousness of black and white thinking. In a literature club for sixth graders, we are currently reading a Walter de la Mer book from 1929. The book is written for children, yet the vocabulary is not dumbed down for young people. Tread, entreaty, verges, inflamed, canopy, mounting, enraptured, salutation, kindled, wrath, straggling, vanguard, illumined, somber, abiding, apprehensive, apparition, portend, reconnoiter, mounded, not, wherewith. These words are found on one of the 420 pages in Delamere's book. What do you think? Has our working vocabulary declined over the decades? The richness of the palette, as well as the artist's care and use of the colors, is elemental to the painter's work. It is the stuff of her vocation, the substance shaped through her creativity. For storytellers, our concrete material is words. Our stories are shaped in words. Ours is an oral art, a living art, an ephemeral art that appears and disappears on the breath of the teller. Because of this, it is both the selection of words and the sundry ways we make them manifest that gives creative form to our stories. Our pacing, inflection, tone, and other vocal choices and characteristics shape the telling of tales, but it begins with the words we choose and use. As I share old folk tales with children, or adults, I often keep much of the rich vocabulary intact in the retelling. Why? Language holds power and beauty. You need not know the meaning of every word to appreciate the story as a whole. Even if we cannot identify every color the painter has used, we may look upon her art with gratitude, knowing that the painting could not be what it is without the specific array of color carefully chosen by the artist. I can see, you know, the both sides that you talk about in this of, of using vocabulary and vocabulary to divide, mm. but also vocabulary to um, enrich. <laughs> um, it was, it, since we've been homeschooling, we've been homeschooling for, 
and our oldest homeschooled child is now 18 and in college, almost 19. Right. I homeschooled for a while. Um, one of the things I've loved about homeschooling is reading to the kids. It's mm. one of my favorite parts. And one of uh, my favorites too. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and many homeschooled parents have said that. Yeah. Um, cause you just have more time to sit there with them. Right. Um, although, I mean, I, uh, we didn't homeschool our oldest child and many lovely, lovely, uh, reading oh, times gosh. with her. So many, so many. Hours with, so just hours not, with not, not just, too. not just a homeschool thing, but and I loved the books when they were young, but as they've gotten older, I just have loved these books that books that I've never read myself. I did not read a ton of books as a child. Mm-hmm. Read some, sure. Did read some, but certainly didn't push myself to read challenging books. Uh, I guess it, Bush because I would have thought it's challenging, but um, Anna Green Gables. We started reading that. I don't know. The kids were. Eight, nine, ten. I don't know that the two middle kids were. Right. And that book hit me. And yes. it's a series of books. Um, but just was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. I mean, a wonderful story. But just beautiful pictures painted. And I've only read it the one time. I read it to our youngest child. Right. But it's still so vivid inside me. The pictures and the imagery and the just... Every time I sat down to read it, I was just in a different place, and it was just so beautiful. And I, and and just her use of language and vocabulary, right, was incredible. And I hadn't experienced that much in my life. Really appreciating that. Yeah, uh, that that's a book by L M L M Montgomery. Well, you know, I've heard of it, but Anne Carroll Moore, this woman who wrote. Um, she wrote these essays on children's mm-hmm. literature mm-hmm. and recommended different books. She also recommended Walter de la Mer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 Carol Moore, I discovered uh, because she wrote she, uh, she was written about in Ruth Sawyer's book. Mm-hmm. So from Ruth Sawyer to Anne Carol Moore to some of this great children's literature, mm-hmm. um, again, um, the connections with words and 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 this. Uh, um, you know, I, I think of, like, for myself, I, th- I was in traveling in Europe uh, when I, 24 years old, and I picked up a Penguin edition of one of the Bronte sisters' novels. Mm-hmm. And the Penguin editions I love because they have the footnotes that they'll explain right. little details in the back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I read this, and again, one is being transported in time and space, but also just, as you were saying, when we would read with our kids, or when we still read with, with, with Finian, um, there's sometimes this whole different space is created. And part of that is happening through the words, right? Mm-hmm. Through the language, through that richness. Yeah. Right. And I, I mean, I really feel like um, books have, we, we've dumbed down books <laughs> over the years. Um, they, there's wonderful books that are still out there, wonderful stories. Oh, great stuff, yeah. But the language is just not the same. Um you know, it's, it's not just a descriptive, there is a wonderful descriptive language, but it's also 
in some of these old books, the way they speak to each other and um, that I have not found in too many newer books. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, I mean, not, it, there's wonderful books, but I, I just think the language is not what it used to be. And, and, and it's hard for kids, though. I mean, modern kids... I mean, that's why it's so good to do read-alouds. Read-alouds, we've had real success right. with kids with older books. And, and our kids, now that they've read so many, they, they, they do fine on their own. But, mm -hmm. but if you don't have that, it's really hard for kids to get into some of the older books. Right. But the read-alouds really... Right, and, and, and I think when you're saying read-alouds, with adults reading aloud to kids. Right, And that's maybe I mean. that's sometimes I mean. reading together... But, um, and, and key to that is reading with expression. Right. Right. If, if you're the adult, and I've seen this, I've seen parents who, okay, I got to read a book to my kid tonight, um, and we're going to get through this. Mm -hmm. Right. My gosh, it's, and, and you know, I'm, I've done that at times too. I'm tired, or I want to get on to the next thing. But gosh, if you can enter into the presence, if you can bring mindfulness to those moments, they can be so rich and to and, and to try to read with expression and again it can be a private moment between you and your child or you and your nephew or niece or the kiddos in your life so um, be daring right you know you, you know you, you have the safety of just being you alone with the kiddo where you can you can read with expression gosh if you don't know every word you mispronounce one so what right, right, <laughs> you know? right. Have fun with it, right? And have fun with the richness of language, with the richness of words. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, and again, there is this kind of this back and forth of, um, you know, when is language being used to uh, place one group above another? And mm -hmm. we certainly associate um, vocabulary with formal education and that sort of thing right, right. so that's that's the other kind of half of this sure one well, it's and it's so it's so funny i don't know if we've mentioned this on this, this uh, podcast before but, but the difference between your your family and my family is striking so my family my dad is a doctorate my mom has a master's my grandma one of my grandmas has at least a bachelor's degree if not a master's and my grandpa had like a couple doctorates i mean crazy education my family i come from this crazy education uh on at least one side of my family but growing up my, my parent my parents were very socially active still are and really wanted to bring people together uh, class and race and mm -hmm. and so using a vocabulary that everybody could connect trying to at least sure was really important and so um when, when i come to your family your family your dad has an eighth grade education your mom graduated from high school but mm -hmm. no education beyond that come to your family and all the time literally almost every time we go up there the dictionary is getting brought out at your family's house you have this big old dictionary yep. and we're thinking about some word and somebody gets out the dictionary at dinner time Never in my house have these very educated, yeah, you know, it's just, it was, yeah. it, it, when, when that happened at your house, you know, I'm an adult, I'm in my 20s, and I'm like, what, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I love it now, I love it, love it to get the dictionary out, Right. and we do that at home now, it's we just part of what, what we do, 
um, and, and looking at you know where this word came from, and we might it might go into you know the etymology, right? Yeah, right, right. And um, I love that, but it's it it's stri- it just is striking, still striking to me now. Why? I mean, I think part of that is the emphasis of my parents' family, but 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 why was your family then really interested in? dictionaries and and words I mean your mom loves crosswords right um right. and so well the funny story my sister when they went when they went to Vegas and <laughs> and my sister has this heavy heavy suitcase and she opens it up she and my mom go to Vegas and what's inside she had to bring her dictionary this big thick heavy dictionary these are big dictionaries yeah that your family has <laughs> and, and so she brought, because she you know she's doing her crosswords or whatever and so yeah she wanted to have her dictionary with her which is really yeah that's just funny and at the same time um you know if you pay attention to the grammar and even the grammar i'll use when i go home um it may not be appropriate grammar or or, or you know we're, we're we're using double negatives, ain't, and dropping the G's off of ing words, and and that, that's another thing too. So, so we can find the richness not just in the formality of words, but so many people um, have a poetry of language. You know, we have. You know, if we if we if we think of our friend, um, you know, our friend Paula, who grew up in you know, Southern Ohio and has an Appalachian background. She just has a, a way with words that's just stunning, right? Or, you know, folks in, you know, if, if you go to Ireland, you know, and the way the way people will use language poetically, or if you go into the African-American community and the way people will use language in, you know, kind of bend it in these beautiful ways. So I guess for me, it's it's the both and, mm-hmm. right? Like, right. my gosh, I love the Victorian novel, right? To, to um, um, you know, I started talking about earlier where where I, um, you know, I'm in Europe and I pick up this Victorian novel and wow, I'm just transported. And and why not? My gosh, why not open ourselves to this richness of language? Mm-hmm. Um, I. I sometimes remember there, there was a, 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 a Czech woman that we, we met, and I can't remember the name of the book. It's something like Grandmother in, in English, but um, I think it might be Božena Nemsová who wrote it. And it's been translated into English, but this woman said, Oh, it's such a shame that you can't read it in the Czech. Hmm. Right, because I'm going to miss things, because there's subtleties, there's ways that we've come up with this vocal sound in the Czech language that means something, that we don't have something quite equivalent to that in English, mm-hmm. right? And boy, I want to celebrate that. You know, and inflection and tone and pacing, that all comes into play too, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that another time. But just this richness of vocabulary and to be open to it and to... Um, um, you know, it's it's such a pleasure for me reading this this Walter de la Mer with the kiddos, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know, we've been doing a fun exercise where we'll pick a bunch of these words on a page, explore the meanings. You know, you can figure out a lot from context, but we can look up the words and then have the kiddos. All right, we're going to write. Let's write three paragraphs and try to use all fifteen of these words, right? right? And it's just 
It's fun. Sure. It's you know, words are to be played with, right? It it doesn't have to be um, something that causes the muscles in our shoulders to tighten. It can be a source of pleasure to to, to play with these words. Sure. Well, I think in, in terms of playing with the words, um, we we do a writing club. We've or, or no, yeah, a writing club that we've been doing for years too with kids. And one of my favorite activities in there is we'll get a whole bunch of thesauruses. Thesauruses? Thesauruses? <laughs> I, I think so. Is it thesauri when you have more? So, so we, you know, we have about three in our house, but then I've got more from the uh, library and break the kids up and, okay, let's look for different ways to, to, to express um, moving across a room or saying something. Mm -hmm. And we've had kids then, they, 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 they're in small groups and they look up words and then, and then we're playing with language with them. Um, I love a thesaurus. <laughs> That's the other thing, which I never, I don't think I ever used one as a kid. I don't think I've used one until I, maybe not even as a school teacher, but as a homeschool teacher. Right. Uh, and I love it now, especially the old ones. And I don't, you cannot, I know you use it a lot online. It does, it is not the same online mm -hmm. as it is with a book because it's just so much more detailed. Mm -hmm. I don't know for me, it's, it's specific and detailed and and I've never been able to get that when I look at the thesaurus online. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that that's fun for me. Oh, it and, is fun. Um, it's, a, it's a joy. It's and, 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 you know, it's interesting, you know, as a storyteller, because, um, you know, as I said, I, I will oftentimes keep that rich language or insert that rich language into a story that I share. And I remember one time talking to a principal and she was like, oh, um, I don't, you know, I really don't want you to use those kinds of words with my students. This was a very um, low-income school, uh, you know, a lot of free and reduced lunch. She just thought, they're not going to understand, they're not going to get it. Well, mm -hmm. of course, if we were then, we're not going to quiz them on the, on the individual words that I use, but why would you not want to expose them to it? Yes, if I'm giving this kind of this drab <laughs> presentation, but these words are within a context and this richness of language that the kiddos will love. I've shared these stories with, with, with words that, you know, people with graduate degrees wouldn't know, and I'm sharing this with, you know, first, second graders at a rural or urban school where kids do have, you know, some some limits on their vocabulary but they love it right. and what happens when we expose ourselves to it how do we expect to expand so again um i guess you know for me i'm just i have this love of words i have this love of um vocabulary and and i i'm you know i'm pleased that i'm constantly you know, this has happened with this Walter de la Mer book, Working with the Literature Club. I'm pleased that I'm constantly running into words that, oops, I've been misusing that word over the years or mispronouncing it. Or, wait, here's a new word that I guess I've encountered before, but I, or maybe I haven't. And here it is, and I can kind of bring it into the fold of possibility or, um, you know, become something that I, becomes part of my reading vocabulary. It might become part of my writing vocabulary might become part of my spoken vocabulary. Right. It works really well with storytelling to use mm -hmm. beautiful language. I mean, that just, it's just like, 
just like you were saying, I mean, I've watched you and, and other people and yeah, you get it through context and you, and it just makes it very beautiful. And, you, and that, that's a great way mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. introduce language. I, I think storytelling and, and I mean, I think it, it is harder, um, for folks if it's written and you're reading it. Mm-hmm. It's just so much easier if someone is, if it's in a presentation. So, right. And, and well, I mean, th- there again, we're right back to where we were talking earlier, Ollie, in terms of reading aloud with kiddos uh-huh. or even reading aloud with a partner. I mean, you and I did this years ago. We <laughs> haven't done good. it now for years, but what an invitation to, uh, I think we may have been working on a Shakespeare play. Why not? You know, why not? sit with your partner or with a friend and say, hey, let's get together and, and we, can, we can read Shakespeare together. Why not? I mean, have fun. Right. And, you know, not, not a chore, not something one should do. Just enter into the joy of whatever you might be reading together or sharing together. Um, and and, and, and the, the beauty, the beauty of words and how we can use them is... I don't know. It, I don't know if it has any limits. <laughs> you know, it just goes on and on and on. And uh, yeah, it's 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 lovely to to be able to. Um, I guess I guess what I'm saying is, I'd have to really think, and I don't know who the exact people are. The you know, elementary, middle school, high school, college teachers, instructors that I had that were inspiring to me. Mm-hmm. I know that Ruth Sawyer has been inspiring. I know that Ann Carol Moore has been inspiring. I know that Montgomery with her writing is inspiring. But I'm grateful for all those teachers, that named and unnamed, who have just helped me to be open to it. You know, help me to be, I mean, I guess that's kind of the, the bottom line, is just to be open, open to the words of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you think of words? Do you see an expansive vocabulary as simply a way of showing off? Or can words help us move towards subtlety and nuance of meaning? And can our selection of words add beauty? Are you open to expanding your vocabulary? Where do you hear unfamiliar words? What books, articles, and stories do you read that offer rich, flavorful, zesty words? Do any of these words make it into your speech or the stories that you then share?
I'm Michael Mallon, and you've been listening to the Mindful Storyteller.